Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. They have a narrative which is ideologically driven, and whatever the president does, they will attack him. And sooner or later, uh, this will bear certain political consequences for them. My concern is that they're upping the ante on the things that are truly undemocratic. Uh, yes, they'll smear us. They smear you, me, whoever they pick it, to be the next uh, associate justice. But the issue is when it comes to harassment and the use of violence. There's no equivalent of Antifa on the right. Doesn't exist. Does and, not exist. And, and There's Dan, no story of... Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt. There's no story. There's the, no, there's no story like James Hodgkinson at the baseball diamond just a few miles from where I'm sitting. Well, you, you don't have de Republicans go out with a hit list trying to kill Democrat congressmen. Guess which side that happens on? It happens mm -hmm. on the left. <laughs> uh, so true. That's Sebastian Gorka chatting with Sean Hannity on Fox News about. Uh, the ridiculousness of all of the violence that's being called for in reaction to simple, small things like the president exercising his right as the chief executive to appoint a Supreme Court justice or him working to seal the southern border and using the same methods that were used by presidents before him. Yeah, I mean, cue the outrage, but I don't I don't get it. So. Welcome back to the program, StaceyOnTheRight.com, uh, at Stacey on the right on Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to the program. Happy Friday to you. So we talked a little bit about this. Um, there's pressure to confront President Putin uh, at the El Helsinki summit after the Mueller indictments. And so, again, it's not just me who finds the timing of these indictments to be interesting. You've got special counsel Robert Mueller announcing a slew of new charges against Russian nationals on Friday for conspiring to impact the 2016 presidential elections here in this country. Well, it was actually the entire uh, national election for up and down the ballot, lots of different candidates. The news actually is thought to turn up the heat on President Donald Trump to confront Russian President Vladimir Putin when they meet in Helsinki for their first summit, and that happens on Monday. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who announced the indictments, asserted that the timing was based on the facts, the law, and the Department of Justice policies. Now, uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah, sure, it's based on the facts, it's based on the law, it's based on when they can get an indictment back. But I don't think it's a mistake that the indictments come down on Friday. He's in Trump Turnbury for the weekend, resting and recuperating from NATO and from Great Britain. And then he'll be in Helsinki on Monday. And the summit in Helsinki, there'll be a lot of things discussed. Uh, obviously, the president is going to have to broach the subject of how, you know, Putin actually took a satellite nation back under his own control during the Obama administration. And there's not a lot that Donald Trump can do about that now because the time to have done something about it, to have prevented it, was when Obama was the president. But he wasn't able to execute any strength against Putin. Putin seemed to have the upper hand in that relationship. And so he did what he wanted. And now that he's done it, it's, it's, they've built some kind of seaport there. I mean, they, it's, it's not like the Russians just rolled a few tanks in there. They rolled a few tanks in there, fortified the position. They built a seaport there. They now have enough assets there to maintain control. So again, 
it just makes me think back to a couple of days ago at the NATO meetings when Donald Trump was saying, look, this is so silly how Germany gave this huge chunk of their energy business to Russia. You can't trust them. They cut the lights out in the Ukraine on occasion when they were controlling their electricity. Like they want, they will not hesitate. To be, so you don't, you don't want to do what we want. We'll cut off your energy. That's how they are. So you can trade with them all you want. If you don't get your pencil shipment from Russia, you're going to be all right. You can get some pencils from someplace else. Just resharpen what you got or use a pen. If they cut off your energy, what you going to do? You're going to suddenly just switch over to your dual redundancy backup network. You don't have one of those if you're doing business with Russia for your gas pipeline. It's not like we can just set up a gas pipeline overnight to you. It has to be. It's a time consuming. It's a process. It has to be done over time. And that is why the president was so flummoxed at this idea that Germany is going to get the, the bulk of their natural gas from Russia. But meanwhile, they're still in NATO complaining about how Russia, you know, encroached on Crimea and took it and yada, yada, yada. And they would do it again. Russia would be doing that and more if it weren't if it was a Hillary Clinton. Well, I don't know. She was pretty scary. She you know, she's she's a total neocon, neocon when it comes to foreign policy. She likes going to war. So they might not have been as pushy with a Hillary Clinton. She did have a couple of strong suits. And one of them is she's she's kind of on the cray side. And I think Putin would have found dealing with her to be pretty difficult because she's wily. Um, you know, so the point of it all is that he is going to go forward with this meeting and they are going to sit down and they are going to talk. And this story will be kept up in the news. It will be something that the liberals use, especially at the press conferences that are held uh, in Helsinki. When, when they hold their joint press conference, Putin and, and Trump, someone in the audience from CNN or one of the other lefty news outlets is going to say, so, you know, we've indicted this many Russian nationals and they're going to want to ask that question of Putin and they're going to want a, a corresponding, you know, kind of co-question to Donald Trump about, did you discuss it with him? What did he say, et cetera, et cetera. That's the news media's job. So I'm not, I'm not really impugning them for that, but whoa, you know, just think about Foreign policy-wise, if you're trying to, and President Trump has said on numerous occasions he's trying to normalize the relationship with Russia, and it is very volatile. If you read any of the websites that are not so bombastic, that don't see, seek to demonize the Russian state for everything, and this isn't about me being a, you know, a black Russian, as I named myself on Twitter for about a year after that whole, you know, everything Donald Trump does is about being Russian— and that was me poking my finger in, in the eye of those who feel like this is this is a conspiracy of some sort. It's not. But do we not want normalized relations? So so it doesn't mean that we give up on holding them to task for what they did in Crimea, which was an illegal act. It doesn't mean that we don't require them to abide by the, the agreements that we've made or sanction them. It doesn't mean we lift the sanctions. It just means that we seek to normalize the interaction so that we're not constantly bumping into each other in the military operational theaters in which we share space. In Syria, we have buzz actions going on between the different aircraft. The Russian aircraft buzz our aircraft while they're in the air. We have flyovers. We have near collisions uh, in, in the air. We have a lot of like there's there's a lot of confusion on the ground about 
what part of what operating theater, which troops are in and what, you know, are those your troops or are those Syrian troops or are those insurgents? And there's so many different operations going on. That's dangerous for our assets and our human beings, American citizens who have their lives on the line, supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States. When we have volatile relations with foreign military powers like Russia, who they have their finger over the button just like we do, they have a huge nuclear arsenal. And remember, the idea of having a huge nuclear arsenal, that was an arms race type of a thing. You only need a certain number of nukes to completely obliterate your enemy. It's not about having 1,500 nukes, which we do have. It's about having enough nukes with the capability of getting off and it's mutually assured destruction. So we do need to normalize the relationship. And I think for everyone who says that Donald Trump is he's wild, he's he, you know, he doesn't have any sense, he's nonsensical, he's this, he's that. They always say such horrible things about him. But he seems to want to normalize the relationship with Russia. It's not normalization doesn't mean we agree on everything or that we even come to a place where there aren't sanctions anymore. It just means that we move out of a almost hyper aggressive military posture because we don't want a nuclear engagement. There's a difference there, in my opinion. Um, Clear thinking, smart people who can get outside their feelings and kind of put one block in front of the other and see where the line would end up. You can kind of predict, look, if we keep engaging each other militarily this way, if we keep having all of these Really, it's not good stuff going on in Syria and in the Middle East where we have troops and where the Russians have troops. If we keep having that going on, there could be an accidental type of a, you know, an aircraft gets buzzed or something happens and then a pilot engages and then you have a downed military aircraft. I mean, we've had world wars for less than that. So we we want normalized relations. And I think those who are really wanting to demonize Russia and connect it to Donald Trump, they have their own agenda at mind at, that they're working on. But it's not an agenda that takes the time to consider the ramifications of the hyper-aggressive military posture that we currently have against Russia. It's not like having a hyper-military posture against Cuba. It's a totally different thing. And while We are a more advanced military and we certainly have a larger economy. We have more people and they have to struggle to keep up the pretense of being our equals. They still have an enormous nuclear arsenal and they have they have a viable military. It may not be perfectly on par with ours, but it's close enough and they're constantly working on it to the detriment of their citizens, of course. But, you know, that matters not. Your military missiles don't not land because the citizens in your home country are starving or don't have adequate, you know, whatever. The, mil- the missiles are still going to land on their targets if they're functional and operational and they're being utilized by people who know how to make them work. So I, I think we should have a, a better grip on that. Um, and the president seems to. And I just wish that the Democrats could get out of their posturing and, and their constant vilification of Donald Trump to just take a few seconds to say, look, we still don't like you, but we definitely want to calm down the rhetoric between our two nations. And we want to get some normalcy going on between our military operations in the Middle East so that we don't accidentally trigger something horrible that we can't come back from. So everywhere you look online, you've got this 
Well, first of all, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's this bizarre video of uh, Peter Strzok smirking at the hearings where, so somebody, uh, Caleb Howe, you can look him up on uh, Twitter, Caleb Howe, he was on the program a couple weeks ago. He had this gif of Peter Strzok smirking and kind of giving the evil eye. It's, it's now a gif that they've made that has been retweeted thousands of times. And I saw it today. You can go to my Twitter feed. I think I retweeted it as well. Where, I mean, I just don't even know what's going on there. Now, anyone, anyone can manipulate almost any video to, to look any way that you want. But this is some, like, very interesting stuff that's going on. And now, on top of that, there's a bizarre video of him smirking. It's a video that's gone viral because people just don't understand what, what – what was going on with, with him in that hearing yesterday? He was so smiley. Like he had a smirk on his face the whole hearing. It's kind of fascinating. Um, so other news breaking today is that President Trump may tap up to 300, th- sorry, up to 30 million barrels of, from the oil reserve to halt the rising gas prices. Uh, he feels that OPEC is manipulating the market and he wants to keep oil prices decent for Americans because it's the height of the summer. It's the height of the summer travel season. Um, and then there's also, and I know you guys, it's Friday and I shouldn't be doing this to you, but it only lasts for a couple seconds. Here it is. Hillary Clinton 2020. It's now a viable thing. I know you probably think it to yourself. Wait a second. What did I do? Why do I deserve this? You don't deserve it. You don't deserve this. You deserve anyone else, really, to be the Democrats nominee. But she's out there actually going to events that the presidential hopefuls are going to. So these large kind of conferences and large speaking engagements where they get to kind of it's it's like practice, but it's also a new group of people that may have never heard Elizabeth Warren speak or Kamala Harris. And so they keep having these events and their front runners are getting the news late in the game Oh, Hillary Clinton's also going to be speaking. We've added Hillary Clinton as a, in as a speaker. So they're now saying that it's absolutely possible that Hillary Clinton may indeed run for the presidency yet again. Mounting speculation that former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton is seeking to make a comeback to challenge Donald Trump a second time has become more than rumor. Clinton gave a campaign-style speech today at the American Federation of Teachers Conference in Pittsburgh, where she said, in part, we have to gear up again because the challenges we face now are truly unlike any that we have seen for quite some time. We thought we had won. Now the pressures and forces against progress are stronger than ever. They control our government, and they are determined to have their way. Oh, my goodness, y'all. It couldn't be better for Donald Trump if she wins. If she runs, Donald Trump 2020 is real. I'm all here for it. I'm here for that. Okay. (laughs) We'll be back with our next guest right after this. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for a healthcare plan, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2.5 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, 
You could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings may be less or more, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. Just hit star star 345. That's star star 345. Star Star 345. Hello, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker, and this is Daily Time in the Word. It's our goal to help you better understand the great blessing of spending time in God's Word every single day. Today I want to talk with you about kingdom prayers found in the Word of God. What difference did it make that I prayed today? And what difference did it make what I prayed for? Did it make a difference at all? Allow me to share with you a wise answer to that question. It made and makes all the difference in the world because you prayed and specifically because you prayed certain kingdom kinds of prayers, prayers that come straight from the Word of God or that are based on the Word of God. These kinds of things often will happen as you take time to pray these sort of prayers. God will put you on people's hearts and minds who otherwise may not have you on their mind. People may seek you out specifically to ask you to pray for them or to ask for you to pray for wisdom for them. A unique opportunity for ministry just drops into your lap, quote-unquote, out of the blue. Opportunities to minister and bless people come up regularly. These and other miraculous things can happen because you ask God for these opportunities. Not only is God willing to answer these kinds of prayers, he's looking for disciples who will pray this way daily, and he'll use them to do miraculous and great things. One prayer that I want to encourage you to pray every single day is the prayer of Jabez over yourself and for your family. This is the prayer of Jabez. Lord, bless me indeed. Expand my territory. Cause your hand to be mightily upon me and keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. It's good for you to pray and help your children pray it daily and also pray it over your family. Lord, bless my family indeed. Expand its territory. Cause your hand to be mightily upon us. Keep us from evil that we may not cause pain. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I'm Stacy Washington, your hostess with the mostest on Friday. Fry-yay, as I like to call it, <laughs> going into the weekend. And we have so much news and information for you, including our next guest, who is fantastic, I, if I do say so myself. It's Joel Gilbert, Hollywood film director, presidential historian, Middle East and foreign policy analyst, and now guest on the program. Joel, thank you for coming on today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. You know, I'm interested in what you have to say about the possibility, because I'm, I'm holding back my giggles and my laughter, of Hillary Clinton running again. Could this be? It's a gift to Donald Trump if it is. Well, I'll tell you, I wrote an article for American Thinker a week ago last Friday called uh, Here's Why Hillary's Running in 2020. Uh, it got picked up and went viral. Uh, Michael Goodwin, New York Post, pretty much copied it without giving me credit, but that's okay. Uh, it got picked up on Drudge and everywhere else, and it's just been in the news quite a bit. Uh, but I kind of started it off by explaining uh, the obvious, that number one, uh, she's never stopped campaigning, really since 1992, but especially since 2016. She's continuing to campaign all over the world. Donald Trump is racist and sexist. His supporters are deplorable. 
keeps telling everybody she won the vote by three million votes. And, you know, if it wasn't for that Constitution thing, you know, the Electoral College and Russia, 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 she should be president. So I laid out that uh, she definitely wants to, to run, that uh, the Clintons never quit. It doesn't matter. Benghazi, Whitewater, Monica Lewinsky, uh, you know, impeachment, Ken Starr, email server, they just don't quit. And uh, it's that life mantra she has that her, always talks about her mother told her, it's not when you get knocked down, life is about how you get back up. Mm. So she's clearly still running, and she's the only Democrat with a path to the nomination that can say, here's how I can win. And I'll tell you how she can do it quite easily. She has a lot of loyal supporters, uh, name recognition. She gets an easy 25% of the vote in any primary, Democrat primary. And you'll have 10 other people at, you know, 5 or 6% each. Uh, splitting the vote. That's the same thing Trump did. He had a solid base of supporters, and every time someone dropped out, he'd pick up about half their vote, and the other half would, would be spread around. And that's how Trump won, and I think it's going to be an irresistible uh, idea for her to do that with the path clear. A lot of, probably the best one or two Democrats are going to think, well, Trump is going to be tough to beat, and Hillary's going to be in it with all her money. I think I'll wait till 2024. So I see an easy path for Hillary. And she's the only uh, candidate with a fundraising mechanism in place for like 30 years. She's also got about a billion dollars in Clinton Foundation donations, you know, stashed away for a rainy day. You don't think all that Russian money went to the hungry children in Haiti, you know, did you? Oh, my gosh, no. So she, I... she has a clear path. She's got the money. She's got the name recognition. And I, I do see her running uh, and the media jumping on board, saying, hey, she's got unfinished business. She's going to break the glass ceiling. Uh, so uh, I, I do see this coming down, and I, and I don't think it's a joke for Trump either. But I thought, shoot, I thought everybody was sick of her. Like, just a couple months ago, everyone was so sick of her and Bill Clinton and talking about how poorly he handled the questions about Monica Lewinsky. And so instead of him getting to promote his book with James Patterson, he spent all of his time talking about how he never apologized to uh, Monica Lewinsky and how he may have handled that incorrectly, and he paid a big price for it, yada, yada, yada. How do they get past that with this Me Too movement, or does the Me Too movement go the way of Black Lives Matter and just fade into the background when they're told to? Because well, they it's, look, it's the Hillary Democrat time. voters didn't care about Clinton's indiscretions when he was president. That Juanita Broderick had a credible allegation of rape. They didn't care about it. I don't think they care about this this issue right now. Uh, the question you're asking essentially is, how can the Clintons have a rap sheet that would make Al Capone blush, and they they still stay in the game and never get prosecuted. And you even saw that recently. Lisa Page sent that text to Peter Strzok saying, hey, be careful with Hillary because, you know, she might be president. So the way they stay out of jail is to make the jailers fear them, make the prosecutors in fear of them. So the minute they stop running or don't have potential to take power is the minute they'll be thrown in jail. So that's another reason they, they have to run. And, uh, you know, the Democrat Party has been conditioned to vote for any Democrat. You know, it's good versus evil. Mm. They're racist and evil. They want to harm you, and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you the free things. So I don't think it's an impediment at all that they have such bad reputations uh, on any on any level. Well, been, because they're I, Democrats. Well, because they're Democrats, because that, that would not work with Republicans. Republicans would not uh, keep allowing the same... Correct. old candidate to run again if they were corrupt. Now, we'll we'll just ride a dead pony into the into the night. Look what we did with Mitt Romney. I mean, we knew he was never going to win, but we still kept putting him up until finally now he's running in Utah and he can't win there now. So I, I do get this whole, it's like people 
in politics, some of them have this rubbery consistency where just when you think you peel the last of them off of your shoe, you look back down there and they're back on there again. They're just there again and they're never going away. But let's talk a little bit about the realistic threat that the Democrats have raised on their own. They've grown their own internal threat, which is socialists. Socialists are now beginning to not just be kind of their little secret or their pet project in the dark. Socialists are now popping out in public. Ocasio-Cortez is the, to me, the symptom of what has metastasized within the Democrats, which is they've trained American children to love socialism. They've trained them to hate uh, capitalism. And so you have millions of American teens who are now millennials, they're voters, and they like the sound of uh, single payer health care and a government wage and a government providing you with a house. And as much as mainstream Americans oppose that, they have a significant number of their party who want to oust Schumer. They want to oust Pelosi. They want to see Maxine Waters gone because they can never be radical enough. How does Hillary Clinton win those voters over? Well, you, what you've seen, though, is uh, the Democrat Party really over the past eight years in, in a little bit before that, was engaged in stealth socialism. Mm -hmm. This was the theory of what Obama was up to, where they pretended to be mainstream. Obama ran as a mainstream candidate in 2008. I'm going to cut the deficit in half. Marriage between man and woman and God. Uh, Obey the Constitution. On and on. It was very mainstream. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, their actual, he didn't mean any of that, the actual uh, policy, the agenda, was to throw the voters under the bus and pursue this radical agenda that nobody voted for. So what's happened since Trump became president, and even during the campaign against Hillary, Hillary came out as the real open radical she was. She was a follower of of Alinsky from Chicago. She said, we're going to have open borders, uh, you know, uh, executive orders. Uh, If if Hillary had won the presidency, uh, she would have finished off the United States with this radical socialist agenda, and you could just all just kiss our Constitution goodbye. And... Don't laugh or think that, oh, she doesn't have a chance against Trump. Uh, the Democrats right now are out there registering uh, as many people and as many cemeteries as they can in five swing states in five counties. Uh, and that was all the difference. It was a very small margin that uh, Trump won. I think you'll recall that Hillary did not concede because uh, after the election because she was waiting for, they were holding back certain numbers of uh, uh votes in certain states and counties in case it could reach the margin. We later found out in in Detroit and Michigan they had tremendous voter fraud. So the Democrats specialize in voter voter fraud, whether it's uh, cemetery voting, early vote. That's the big thing. Vote early. Vote by mail. You get all these mail-in ballots, and then people show up to vote as well the day of the election. Um, You know, every type of voter fraud the Democrats will employ, and Hillary is well aware of that. You've also got, uh, you know, voting machine fraud that George Soros and his gang are, are now in the voting machine business. What a coincidence. Uh, so Hillary believes she's on the right side of history. They believe they represent our values. But they also believe that, as Saul Alinsky taught them in Rules for Radicals, that the ends justifies the means. So I, I expect, uh, you know, uh, America to remain in grave danger as a, uh, one of our two main parties is a radical socialist party that will do anything to take power. And I think if Hillary does win, whether it's in this election or if another Democrat wins in 2024, they're not going to leave it to bumbling, uh, you know, leave it up to bumbling FBI texters 
or the IRS to fix another election. The uh, 2012 election was not clean. It was fixed by the Democrats. They used the IRS to suppress the Tea Party, to prevent them from organizing. Mm-hmm. And that's how Obama cheated us and interfered in 2012. He interfered in 2016 using the, IR, the DOJ and the FBI to try to uh, frame the Trump campaign, prevent them from winning or impeach him if he did win, mm-hmm. by gate. And uh, this is what... This is what radical Marxists do. They have to use the tools of state to stay in power because their policies are, are completely failures. No one would vote for them. So, Joel, I, I, there's only one other avenue by which, because you, you've clearly delineated how it, I was giggling at the beginning of the interview, but I'm totally dead serious now. I'm, I, no you know, laughing matter. You, it's, it's not funny anymore. Um, but I, I, there is one issue that Hillary Clinton can't overcome Um, unless there's some kind of bionic serum that I'm unaware of. And that is she'll be 73 in 2020. Not only that, but she she struggled mightily on the campaign train uh, campaign trail this go round, getting tossed in the back of her, uh, you know, Scooby bus like a side of beef. She fainted. She coughed. She stumbled. They have video of her stumbling down the stairs in India a couple months ago. She's clearly not in the best of health. Does that play a factor here? Uh, no, it does not. I'll tell you why. First of all, she'll be this, about the same age as Trump. It's not like she's running against someone who's 40 or Ted Cruz was 45, you know. Uh, so it's not going to stand out at all. In terms of her health, most people don't know some of her history like I do. She's been fainting for 30 years. Uh, it's just part of her makeup or blood pressure or something. She's always been fainting and had this kind of these uh, health, health spells. And it's nothing new for her, and it's nothing that she thinks is, is so bad. It's just because the electorate was kind of introduced to it all at once from that, you know, falling into the Scooby van, and then Trump made light of it. Uh, but, you know, the, the steps in India, it really was she had some flippers or slippers on that were kind of sliding, and uh, she didn't really faint. But it's nothing new for her. And uh, other than that episode, which was not a health issue, you know, she just keeps – Keeps on keeping on. The Clintons never quit. She will never quit. So I don't think the health and age is an issue. Wow. I just, I just thought she was just so frail. Like she would, she, she looked like there was always something wrong with her, but then she would bounce back. It was almost like she had a body double after she was thrown into the back of that van. She was seen outside her daughter's apartment in New York, and she looked like a totally new person, almost like she'd lost 10 pounds. And I was like, does she have a body double? Like, no, how, no, how could that be the same person? I remember looking at it. It was not a body double. She, uh, it's just, I guess you must know some people that have had fainting spells, low blood pressure, certain things happen, they get too much heat. And that's Hillary. She's been doing that for 30 years. So it was no big deal to, to faint. Uh, I think she had... Uh, you know, that concussion or something she had. She hurt her elbow. She fell down the stairs. Uh, she's had these for many years, so it's not something that is a sudden uh, episode of ill health. It's just something she manages her entire life, and she manages it quite well, honestly. Golly. So what's the answer for, for the rest of us? Because when you talk about the voter fraud, that is something that Donald Trump tried to uh, attack the very first moment he entered office. He set up a commission to try to clean voter rolls across the country. And even the Republicans wouldn't Republican governors wouldn't cooperate with him in his efforts to make sure that the Soros setups could be dismantled. How do we how do we fight back against any of this when Look, it's, it's, pointed the out, biggest, she, it's the biggest challenge because they've uh, if if you ask for voter ID or say we need voter ID, they call everybody racist. Hillary just needs to win 300% of the vote in five counties in three states. 
And by the time we figure out and say, hey, wait a minute, you can't have 300% of the vote. There's only 100% of the people. And by the time we figure that out, uh, Deputy, or it'll be uh, new Attorney General Keith Ellison is going to call us all racist and put us on a, a hate speech watch list for saying that uh, too many people voted. You know, it's racism. So it's the biggest challenge. They're out there right now today talking about early vote, vote by mail. Uh, here in California, uh, they're going to give illegals uh, driver's licenses, and you're automatically registered to vote under motor voter. So uh, it's the biggest challenge that I, I think patriots are going to have to rally once again to save America from a final defeat at the hands of the now openly radical Democrat Socialist Party uh, led by Hillary Clinton, because the... Uh, that's all they have left, and that's what they're going to be up to, and they're up to it right now. Well, we had a lot of exposés going on from Project Veritas, but they kind of got hip to his game that he was able to get into their their inner circles and get them to admit to things, and the media blacked out the coverage, so most Americans don't even know the the absolute truth that Project Veritas was able to ferret out about the Democrats and their voter fraud. Much of what you're discussing here today You've got to come back on. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have you back. I'm thinking in a couple of months we'll have to have you come back on and, and we'll go into this subject again because we have to have people who are on the ground, who are already working in their local party apparatus or doing uh, maybe they work for the, the, the registration or they work for the county and the county seat where they do the voting on, on Election Day. We have to have more Republicans show up for that because that's where you can catch a lot of voter fraud as well. People voting without IDs, et cetera, et cetera, not following the law in their state. And we often have those county positions go unfilled here in St. Louis. And I think it's that way across the country for the Republican side, because people don't feel like they need it, to look, volunteer it's to a, It's a small part of the equation. Vote by mail. I've got videos of Obama and Michelle Obama telling people it's really easy. Get your vote by mail. Imagine how many people can be registered through these Democrat La Raza you know, voter registration drives that are illegals. And then they ask for a by mail ballot and they just mail it in. Uh, by the way, voting is a way to help establish citizenship. So people that are, uh, you know, illegal would, would, are going to want to vote because it'll help them establish the ability to stay over over a long period of time. Uh, so the vote by mail, early vote. You can vote early. You know, vote early and often is what they say. Mm. Uh, it's a huge challenge, and uh, that may be the only way that Hillary could win. Well, we got to put a stop to that. Thank you so much, Joel Gilbert, Hollywood film director, presidential historian, Middle Eastern foreign policy analyst, and uh, writer whose work is so good it gets lifted off. So. That's right. And don't forget my <laughs> new movie, Trump, The Art of the Insult, artoftheinsult.com. Fantastic. We'll check that out. Thanks, Joel. And we hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. I'm sure. Um, great interview. Scary. I'll talk to you a little bit about what we can do. Uh, so that we don't go into the weekend feeling down about Hillary's prospects because it sounds like it's real. Um, we'll be back with more after these messages. Go to StacyOnTheRight.com, hit the subscribe button, and also AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com. We'll be back with more. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Did you know that the Centers for Disease Control did a study on defensive gun use by Americans? Probably not, because the report destroys gun control talking points. 
a Florida State University criminologist didn't know either and did his own analysis which showed that Americans used guns to successfully defend themselves against attackers over 2.2 million times a year. This number is based upon an unweighted nationally representative sample of over 12,000 individuals. Data from the CDC confirms this result. In fact, CDC data proves Americans used firearms to defend themselves 3.6 times more often than perpetrators utilized firearms to attack them. This information was kept private by the CDC because it doesn't support the gun grabber's mantra that all guns are bad. Instead of hiding data, let's spread the truth far and wide. Lawful gun owners use weapons to defend themselves and others millions of times every year. Sounds like gun control to me. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Coming next week on The Dwelling Place. Pastor Al Pittman continues to walk us through the Bible line by line and verse by verse to let God show us just how timeless His truth is. That's next week on The Dwelling Place. We need you to call your senators today. Tell them to put an end to the liberals' filibuster, switch to a majority vote, and defund Planned Parenthood. Your call will make a difference. Call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121 or go to afaaction.net. Again, call 202-224-3121 and tell your senators to switch to a majority vote and defund Planned Parenthood. Here's what you missed on airing the Addisons. I'll say this. What I think needs to happen is I think the husband needs to win now never in front of anybody because an audience always escalates the situation. Mm-hmm. It could be something real simple yes. that the two of you have discussed before, yes. but when you've got eyes, a second Man. set of eyes, I don't care who you're, it is, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. It always escalates the situation. Mm-hmm. You and you could, you could say something mm-hmm. the way you would always say it, always talk about it, but one element it's different, just, just having just, one person, right. now it's a performance. Yeah. Right. You see right. what I'm saying? Saying, and so you always want to make sure that you don't do that. And so I yeah. think if, you know, speaking as a wife, mm-hmm. I want to know as close to that moment as possible yeah. in a way that protects my feelings that I have injured you. Tune in weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Central on Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Nullification. To be borked, now in the dictionary. Completely unfair vilification. Looking back, most people agree now that this episode was grossly, grossly unfair, insulted the intelligence of the American people, and stained the history of the United States Senate. Jeffrey Rosen was a Democrat who worked in Senator Biden's office on the Democrat side during that episode. Here's what he wrote a few years ago. He said, I I remember feeling that the nominee was being treated unfairly. Senator Kennedy set the tone with a demagogic attack. Bork's record was distorted beyond recognition. It was bad for the country. This was a man named Jeffrey Rosen, a Democrat who worked in Senator Biden's office during this episode. And here's what a lawyer who helped lead the anti-Bork effort wrote just last year. Regret, he said. 
I regret my part in what I now regard as a terrible political mistake. Seized with guilt after all these years of having participated in this borking. Because of that episode, he goes on, quote, we have, a, we have undermined public confidence in the judiciary. Wow. So uh, we're pivoting over now to Judge Kavanaugh and the possibility of uh, the Democrats launching the same type of attack that they launched against Mr. Bork. And he was completely destroyed by what was done to him then. And he had his judicial record and his reputation so maligned. Uh, and, and it was really just, it was the kind of mauling where nothing but lies were purveyed against him, just a, a complete attack and destruction of this man's public persona and character and his record as a jurist. And it stands to this day. It's so much so that Democrats who participated in it at the time admit now that it was wrong, that they felt it was wrong then. They weren't sure, you know, they weren't exactly sure what to do to stop it. They participated and now they regret it. And now you have Justice Ka- or Judge Kavanaugh, who is, is going to be going up through this process. And I just really, we have to be prayerfully considering, really just praying for him because he has a wife, he has children, and these are real people that are going up for these positions. And we have allowed the politics to become so feverish and, and crazed that we don't view the opponents as people. And when I say we, I, I'm loosely roping us in, but I, I honestly, from the left, as, as was pointed out earlier by Sebastian Gorka in that audio clip on The Hannity Show, he does, there is no Antifa on the right. Imagine what would happen if a bunch of conservatives dressed in American flag T-shirts showed up with American flag bandanas over their faces and started beating people up. You know the left would never put up with that. They get away with the violence because they just deny it. In your face, it's like you're being gaslit. That's not happening. They, they, didn't, they didn't burn down those cars. They didn't, they didn't destroy $2 billion of property in California just because some conservative speaker was coming. You're just, you just hate. You just have, you're full of hate and bigotry. That's what they do. So we know for a fact that there's a, a tsunami of negative, uh, negative lies coming against um, Judge Kavanaugh. And we have to be prepared. I think that our number one weapon in this is prayer. Now, McConnell has been on a real tear. He's been in rare form, cracking jokes from the floor of the Senate in his own dry, wry way. Uh, And so this was no different. He started to take to task this idea that somehow Judge Kavanaugh is a horrible person because he likes to attend baseball games so much so that he would use his credit card to purchase tickets. And he ran up quite a little bit of, uh, you know, a credit card bill purchasing baseball tickets to go to the games with his friends. And then he paid the credit card off over time. He made payments and paid off the bill. Now, that may sound like a big nothing burger to you, but Democrats have really been riding him for liking baseball. Mitch McConnell had a few things to say about it in number three. Judge Kavanaugh's impressive record, impeccable credentials, and his enormous bipartisan fan club of judicial peers and legal scholars all attest to the outstanding service he would render on the Supreme Court. 
I'm glad that outside fact checkers are already swatting down Democrats' desperate attacks <clears throat> on his nomination. In a breaking news bombshell report just last night, we learned that Judge Kavanaugh enjoys America's pastime. Investigative reporters scoured his financial disclosures and learned that he and his friends buy tickets to baseball games and that he pays his bills. So as you can see, there's still plenty of silliness to go around. I urge every one of my colleagues to treat Judge Kavanaugh's record truthfully, treat the information process with the respect that it and this institution in which we serve deserve. And he's right. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that, uh, that we're going to have to do because that that's where we win our battles. That's is when we pray specifically for very specific outcomes. And it's not that, you know, a general prayer can't be impactful. God hears all of our prayers. He answers. But when we are specific, we we're literally lasering in and, and honing in on that one thing that we're praying for. And we're going for that. And we really got to get there. We've, we got to get there because so you listen to Joel Gilbert, who was our guest last segment, talking about this idea that you're going to have, um, you know, basically Hillary Clinton running for the presidency until she dies. And then Chelsea, because that's the extension of this. It's Chelsea Clinton running after her mom goes away. Then it'll be Chelsea. There has to be an, a, a stop to that evil. That kind of evil has to be stopped in the same way that, uh, you know, he he talked about mob bosses and the way that they would continue to intimidate so that they wouldn't ever be prosecuted. And there was an answer to that. We had attorneys general in this country in different states, and then the attorney general of the United States band together and work to crush mob bosses. Now, they still exist, but they are not running whole cities the way that they were before, where they had whole cities under their boot and they were in control. They were the de facto control mechanism. And the Clinton's de facto control of the Democrats is what brings us to a place where Democrats are no longer even Democrats, they're socialists. And where so many Americans are waking up to the fact that the Democrats are socialists and they're horrified, but they don't know what to do. We have to pray for God to intervene in this situation. Because we're talking about literally the difference between having freedom and not having it. And he wasn't exaggerating when he said if, if Hillary Clinton was president, I've said it myself, borders are wide open, gun rights are gone, and any of these things that you see them just doing to people who stand, dare to stand up and say, I don't want to bake a cake, and they run them out of business, run them out of public life, the kind of stuff they're talking about doing to Trump officials, harassing them, if you think their ideas are radical now, imagine how radical and empowered they would be if they were in charge and Hillary was the president. Just think about it. Every nightmare. There it is for you. So we have to pray for justice. So I'm going to give you guys a scripture and I'm, I'm going to have this as one of my new you know, things that I utilize on a regular basis. And I, one of the most effective things we can do as Christians, which when you learn this and you start doing it, you see the results, you see how God responds to that and how he blesses it. You'll be more motivated to do it even more. It's Psalm 7. And it's a prayer for justice. And this is where you're pray reading the scripture back to God, you, his word back to him. That's, that's perfect prayer. And I'm going to give you just some of it. 
um, it's 17 verses. And the version, I, I'm thinking I want to go to the King James. New King James? King James. Let's go to, let's go to New King James. How about that? All right. So it's a prayer and praise for deliverance from enemies, a meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Oh, Lord, my God, in you, I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces when while there is no one to deliver. Oh, Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who was at peace with me or have plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger, lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the people shall surround you for their sakes. Therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God who saves the upright at heart. And it goes on for a few more verses, but I encourage you Psalm 7, and I'll post a link to this on Bible Gateway. Um, I, I love Bible Gateway, by the way. If, you, if you're looking for a place to quickly like research a scripture or look something up, Bible Gateway is a perfect place to do that. I'll post this in the comments so you guys can click through to it. When I find a scripture that I really like, you know, you can obviously you can highlight it in your Bible and you can turn to it, but sometimes it's great to just print it off on the computer and then you have it at the ready where you can just grab it and be like, oh, you know, I have a one that I shared with you guys on the air that's literally a photocopy that I took out of our bulletin at church where our pastor had this little confess the scriptures. Um, it was inside the bulletin. So I photocopied it and then I have it here for use when I'm in here in the office when I want to confess the scriptures and that it's, you can confess any scripture, but this particular little grouping of scriptures that were rec was recommended to us by our pastor, I find that to be very effective and great for, for me personally. And you're going to find whichever way works for you. A, a lot of my friends that I know, they have their Bible app on their phone and they, they use the Bible app. They use all of the different uh, features on it. And I do that too, but sometimes the piece of paper is much more helpful in reminding me because I use my phone for so many other work-related things. So Psalm 7, which is a prayer and a praise for deliverance from enemies. And we're, we need deliverance here in this country. A country of 300 some odd million people literally on the brink of destruction and one family is at the helm of that destruction, the Clintons, and that there will never be a relief from them because they just won't stop. It's kind of astounding. And I, I have to be honest with you, as, as I was listening to Joel talking about, you know, it's, it, it was a very, very somber interview, in my opinion. And I thought to myself, but wait, Hillary Clinton's not in good health. She's just not doing that great. And then he explains, she's always been a fainter. Like, that's why they didn't treat it as a big deal. That's why none of her staff were really impressed when she fainted. That's why they just tossed her in the back of the Scooby van. They saw her going down. They're like, Secret Service steps in to provide coverage. They just hoist her in there. They lose the shoe, whatever. She has a million shoes. We're taking her to her daughter's house anyway. We're close to the daughter's house in Manhattan. It was just a matter of routine for them. So while we wish and hope and pray that 
Hillary Clinton would come to know the Lord. We also know that we can still pray to be protected from the Clintons as a nation. This should be something that we as Christians unify around to pray for deliverance from that family. And, you know, that, you know, how you, you cut the head off one snake and two other snakes appear. You got Bernie Sanders, who's still alive and kicking and very, very healthy. And you have, like he said, Keith Ellison and so many others who are just, you know, they're, they're not here for a prosperous, self-controlled America. They're here for socialism. They're here for domination. And socialism is just communism light. And they know it and we know it. They're here for control, command and control. It's not about doing things that are, are instituting policies that work, that bring peace and prosperity to Americans. It's about sticking with what they've been promoting, even though it doesn't work, but winning anyway. That's what the border is about. It's about bringing people in here who are illegal, that they can register to vote anyway. If you don't believe, because Donald Trump has said it so many times that the three million votes that Hillary Clinton got, we don't even know if those are legal votes. Do you understand? You got Illinois joining California and giving illegal aliens driver's licenses. If you have motor voter, your driver's license is your voter registration. You're in the country illegally. Are you going to vote for the guy who wants to seal the border? The guy who wants everyone working instead of receiving welfare payments? I don't think so. We have to be wise and we have to be prayerful. And this isn't one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'll pray about that. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's not going to work. You have to be of the mindset that you are going to pray about this because you believe that God answers prayer. And he does. He absolutely does. All right. That's the show. And that's the week. Happy Friday to you. Have a great weekend. God bless. And see you on Monday. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.